0: Turn to the book of 1st Timothy chapter 1. 1st Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to give you a few scriptures that you can hold. We'll go back to them. 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 18. 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. And Jude chapter 1 verse 3. We'll get to them. I just want to kind of get out ahead of it and let you know where we're going. Amen. Amen. I believe the word of the Lord today will help us. The message, this message today came by just the Lord ministering to me throughout this week. So the entire time this week, God every day, it just seemed like he would just reveal something to me. He will put something on my mind, something on my heart that was just it was just all ministering to me. And so I took everything that the Lord was ministering to me about, I I put it together, and I'm going to minister it to you, and hopefully it will have the same impact on you as it did me. But God helped me all this week, and um, I thank God I was um, sharing with someone how good God is to us that, you know, I've been kind of busy at work lately. They um, introduced a new payroll system, and we're all learning you got all that stuff going, got stuff that I'm working on personally and different things. And so I've been really busy this week. And when I get busy like that, I get a little frustrated because what I do for the Lord is the most important thing to me. And there's nothing more important than that. And so when things start to happen in my life that kind of challenge me to do what I need to do for the Lord, I'm always a little edgy. But God is good. He was able to just give me clear direction in this message and all of that busyness. And so I thank him that I didn't have to struggle and, and and try to figure out how or which direction he wants me to go in and what he had to say to us today. So we have a word from the Lord this morning, and I hope that it will bless your soul. First Timothy, chapter 1, verse 18. When you're there, say amen. amen. And you can look at the screen behind me. That's the kind of time we're living in. Amen. First Timothy, chapter 1, verse 18, says this. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou, by them, mightest war a good warfare. By them, mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made. Shipwreck. First Timothy chapter six, verse 10 says this, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. God says the writer here. As the Lord spoke to him, says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Where unto thou art also called. All of us is called to eternal life. Somebody say amen. amen. We're all called to eternal life. There's not one person that isn't called to eternal life. Jude. There's only one chapter in Jude, so it's Jude. Verse 3. Beloved, when I gave All diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, comma, look at that. He says he was given all diligence to write unto us regarding the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now I want you to look at what Jude just did. He said, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you about the common salvation. So Jude was to write about salvation. And somehow as he began to write about salvation, the spirit of the Lord moved him to not deal with the salvation part, but to deal with contending for your salvation. So Jude went on in Jude chapter 1 to write about contending for the faith. And that's the word that the Lord wanted me to preach to you this morning is this. Contending for the faith. Contending for salvation. Contending for eternal life. Contending for your relationship with Jesus Christ. Contending to be saved. All the scripture that we've read this morning is telling you that we must contend. We must battle. We must fight. It just won't happen just by just going through the motions or just by chilling and doing your your, your necessary part. You have to contend. Jesus, we love you. We can do nothing without you. And while you tell us to contend, we need your help. This morning we call on your great name, your miraculous name, your saving name, your delivering name. Father, we prayed yesterday and we, Lord God, believe you heard us and you will manifest yourself in this place and you will touch the hearts of people and you will allow me to be your conduit and we will not leave this place the same way we came in. uh, That every one of us will have a real encounter, will have a word from heaven that will go into our heart, that will do something in us to bring us to the place where you're trying to get us to go. Father, I sense your presence Father, I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for the outpouring of your spirit. I thank you for changing hearts. I thank you for changing lives. I thank you, Lord God, for delivering people that are bound. I thank you for baptizing people with your spirit. I thank you, Lord God, for moving on people's heart to bring them to a place of repentance. I thank you, Lord, for those, oh God, that are being reached, Lord Jesus, to contend for the faith and to say, for God I live and for God I die. And God, we're striving because we want to make heaven our home. We thank you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody clap their hands onto the Lord as you're being seated in Jesus' name. Contending for the faith. I hope that I can I hope that I can minister the way God wants me to, and I'm going to try to take my time. I realize sometimes that we can miss some things that are being said, but I don't want you to miss anything today. So I'm going to take my time and see what I can do through the power of God with the help of the Holy Ghost to help you to get what God wants you to get. I read this article this week. Again, I don't even know how I came up on this article, but I read this article and it's entitled America is Obsessed. With happiness, and it's making us miserable. The writer's name is Ruth Whitman. She's from 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 Great Britain, and she came to America, became American citizen, and she's living here. So she considers herself American, but she wasn't born here in America. She wrote this article. Ruth Whitman says, "I am wit." She says. Here is what some of the questions that we're asking because we're seeking for happiness so badly. We want to be happy so badly that here is some of the questions we're asking ourselves because we're trying to figure out how to be happy. Am I with the right person? Am I following my passion? Am I doing what I love? What is my purpose in life? Am I as happy as I should be? So in America, we are striving and seeking to be happy. And why not? Because in America, everything is here at our fingertips. We can obtain anything we desire in America. Because when you're born in America poor, you don't have to stay poor. When you're born in other countries poor, you will stay poor. So America is what we call the land of opportunity. And so in America, finance is not an issue if you would get up off your tuition and go do something. In America, obtaining material things is not an issue if we would just go and work and do what we need to do. And so we could obtain things in America. So now we have moved from obtaining things to say, I need to be happy. Because most of us Americans, we've we've obtained whatever we want. We got the best and latest phones and laptops and iPads. I know they have some other tablets. And all the stuff we need. Cars. You go to a car lot, no matter how your credit. They're going to give you a car some way, somehow. You're driving away with a car. Everybody can get a car if they want it. So... Material things is not a big deal anymore. So it seems like we've shifted from material things to happiness. That's what's moving us. It seems as though happiness in America has become the overachiever's ultimate trophy. It outranks professional achievement and social success. It outranks family, friendship, and even love. People not really worrying about love anymore. They're worrying about what that person can do for them to make them happy in the relationship. I don't care about love. Just make me happy. That's what we're striving for. That's what we're looking for in America. We want to be happy. This is why this election is challenging. Because it don't seem like either one of these people is going to make us happy. <laughs> We look at it, we listen, and we say, man, I want to be happy, and that one won't make me happy, and that one won't make me happy. What are we going to do? This is why they said in this day and age, politicians is going to use fear tactics against us. Because if we get fearful, our happiness is threatened. And all we want to do is be happy. So if you're going to mess with my happiness... Oh, i got to do something about it. So the politician that will help us be happy is probably the one we're going to vote for and make president, whoever that one is. In America, mindfulness is everywhere. I also find it hard to throw myself full tilt into America's approach to hunting down bliss. Happiness over here has its own vocabulary. So when when we're talking about happiness, listen for these key words. When you hear people say these two key words, they're talking about happiness. Mindfulness and empowerment. When you hear that word empowerment and mindfulness, that person is saying, I just want to be happy. Mindfulness is everywhere. The hugely popular zeitgeist theory that in order to be happy we must live fully in the present moment with total mental focus on whatever we're doing or experiencing right this second. This is why they say YOLO. You only live once. So what they say is when, because you only live once, whatever you're doing just do it real good. Whatever you're, whatever you're dealing with at that time, just focus on it and make it work for you. Why? Because we're worried about happiness. Time Magazine published an eight-page spread with the front cover entitled The Mindful Revolution. Is America's fixation on happiness working? It occurs to me that all these happiness pursuits often doesn't seem to be making people particularly happy. What the research says, the more people see happiness as a goal, the less happy they are. Americans as a whole invest more time and money and, listen to this key word, emotional energy, into the explicit pursuit of happiness than any other nation on earth. But is all this effort and investment paying off? Is America getting happier and happier? Are Americans more content than people in other countries? Is this great American search for happiness actually working? Happiness is the thing that is driving us. And if we get involved in something that doesn't make us happy, then I don't want to do that. Now, here's the Lord working. And so I read that article. Then he brings me to this. The scripture says, this is me talking. The scripture says, God said, your ways, not my ways. Your thoughts, not my thoughts. So it's easy to start analyzing the situation and says, if we're all about happiness, then that can't be of God. Because that's our ways. If the majority of us living in America is seeking after the happiness, then that gotta be opposite of what God wants. Now God don't want you sad and miserable. But here's what God said about happiness. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 11. Jesus instructed us how to be happy as he taught the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The word blessed in the Beatitudes means happy. Yes, we're quiet. So when you read down the Beatitudes, and every time it says bless, what God is telling us is happy, happy, happy. You want to be happy? Let's go to the Beatitudes and begin to practice the Beatitudes that Jesus taught. And we will experience happy. Because if God said we will be happy, then we will be happy. If God said do this and do that and you will be happy, you will be happy. It might not seem right. It might not. Un- you might not understand it. But if he says happy are ye, then you will be happy. It don't seem normal. God, are you kidding me? So he says here, happy are the poor in spirit. That means those that are humble. So happy are they that are humble. Hmm. You can't see that, huh? When you're humble, you don't get yourself worked up about everything. Because here is true Humility. When you come to a place where you understand you're totally dependent on God for everything to work right in your life, that's humility. See, pride comes from you thinking you can do this. Pride comes from you thinking you're all of this. Pride comes from you thinking you can accomplish this and you can, ac- that's pride! Humility say, I don't have nothing, and what I have, God gave it to me. I can't accomplish nothing except God give me some understanding. I I can't accomplish and do anything except God get involved. That's humility. Because you know what you have, it's not yours. You know what's working in you, it's not you, but it's God. That's humility by saying, I'm totally dependent upon God to get anything done. That's humility. But pride says, oh, I can do that. Oh, I can do that. So he says, if you're humble, you'll be happy. Mm. He says, happy are they that mourn. So you're telling me, Jesus, when I mourn, I'll be happy? He said, yeah, happy are you that mourn. What is mourning? When you see people straying from God, when you see people living without God, when you see that it's supposed to grieve you, this, 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 I, I talk about it every so often in this church, this whole police killing and and and, 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 and black people get killed by the police. I don't take no sides because I realize the issue is sin. That's the issue. And we can dress up all we want, well, you know, they're not right. I hear all of that. And all of what you're saying is probably have a good point. But what I'm going to tell you is I mourn because I say sin is dominating us. Sin is overtaking us. And when we do foolishness and bad things happen, we're looking to blame something or someone. But that's not it. It's sin. We're living without Jesus. That's what it is. So I mourn. Not like everybody else. Not like everybody else. I'm not mourning for no individuals. I'm not mourning for, because, because guess what? Every soul that, that every, every soul needs to be saved. Every person without Jesus that dies without Jesus is not going to heaven. I mourn because of that. When somebody dies without Jesus, they don't go to heaven. And that's the real problem. Jesus created us that we will have eternal life with him. And when we die without him, we don't have that. That's what I mourn about. He says when you do that, you're happy. Yes. He says happy is he that is meek. What is meekness? Patience in offense and injury. That's meekness. When you're wounded, when you're injured, When you're being offended and you don't jump to defend yourself, you don't jump to get down somebody's throat, you just patiently say, God, I don't know why this is happening, but I trust you. That's meekness. And he says, when you're like that, you'll be happy. Happy are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Happy are they that are merciful. Happy are they that are pure in heart. Happy are they that are peacemakers. Happy are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. When you are pursued to be oppressed because of what you believe and your obedience to Christ, he says that if you're being persecuted for that reason, you're happy if you embrace it. Happy are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For the sake of Christ, you will be happy. Now, that's tough. That's some teaching there from Jesus. That's telling you you're going to be happy for all of those things. But we will never know it because we won't try it because it just doesn't make sense. Mourning, and I'm going to be happy. Persecution, and I'm going to be happy. Meekness, and I'm going to be happy. That's what he said. So, here is this lady writing this article about happy. We're trying to seek happiness and God already told us how to be happy. You see, you see, you see where I'm going with this? That we're seeking things that we think will work and God already gave us the answers. So if we will go back to the word of God and see what God has said about the subject that we're dealing with, we will experience what we need to experience. But somehow we allow our mind and, 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 so let me tell you something. America is so good at branding. We are just the master at branding. Whatever we want to draw you into, we just start branding it. And before you know it, you're doing it without even thinking. America can brand real good. And so the only way you're going to be able to not just be sucked in without even thinking is if you start practicing the Word of God. If we don't practice the Word of God, we're going to be pulled in because of the branding that we're experiencing. Years ago, we used to go downtown Trenton, and we used to pass out tracts, and we was kind of intense. We was kind of forceful in the way we were talking to people about Jesus. We were, we were, we were, but, but we did it. And as America started branding itself a different way to be politically correct, especially with social media, you had to become a little bit more politically correct so all of that intenseness and all of that forcefulness and all the stuff that we were doing that kind of started fading because you would not be politically correct witnessing that way in this time but the Lord is dealing with me and the problem is we succumbed to that politically correct time period where you better be careful what you say because people will begin to point you out and talk about you on social media. People that are in radio, that are in TV, they're saying something different from what they believe because they're worried about being politically correct and being talked about and being persecuted because they're saying how they feel. That's what social media has done to us. Yes, it's a platform to be able to announce Jesus is Lord, but it's also a platform where people can attack you. And so we, we, we drifted from really being honest and truthful into politically correct. But I feel pretty strongly in this day and age that we better get to the place where we will get strong about what we believe and never back down from it. We have to begin to say, I will not back down from what I believe. I'm gonna say what I believe. Uh, no matter what you say about me, I gotta stand up for what I believe. Now what's gonna make you effective is how you show love. See, th- th- see, what we missed back then was well, we didn't demonstrate good love. So we was intense. We knew the word of God. We will mow you down in a second with the word. We was no joke. Our evangelism team was called the Killer Bees. When we showed up on at Saturday night outside of the bars, the cops, we had a cop in our church. He, 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 would, he was with the Trenton Police Department, and he would hear on the radio the church people in the... Uh, and the gold sweatshirts just showed up, so we 're going to leave this place and go to another place and patrol because when we showed up, they knew nobody was going to cause any trouble, and they knew we were going to talk about Jesus, and people would either clear the area or they would listen, but they knew peace was going to be in that area when the killer bees showed up, and that 's how we came at it we went we went we went to bars, we stayed on the outside we didn't go inside we stayed on the outside, we went to nightclubs, we stayed on the outside we didn't go on the inside. And we knew the word, and we were trying to reach people sincerely, but we wasn't loving. We wasn't affectionate. We didn't show enough care to people. It was like, either you listen to me, or you don't, and if you don't, I'm going to treat you bad. But if you listen, then I'm going to show. People, can I tell you this? Don't do that to people. Don't treat people good only because they're listening to you. And when they're not listening, you treat them bad. That's what we did. And today I'm here to tell you, we still need to preach the gospel. We still need to talk about one God. We still need to be intense about the Word of God. But let's love people whether they agree or they don't. Let's show them love. That's what happened to us. So, we have shifted in the way we approach things and social media have a big part to do with that. But we got to go back to what God says. We're going to be happy the way God says we're going to be happy. And if we pursue happiness because of how we want to see it, we will never make it. We got to do it the way God says. And so... I realize that if I'm worrying about happiness, there is no way I will ever be able to contend for the faith. If I'm always concerned about my welfare, I will not be able to contend for the faith. Because all I'm going to care about is this helping me. The only way we will experience true happiness is by doing what the Bible describes in the Beatitude. Before I go on, let me say this. It is God's will that everybody be saved. None of us, he wants to perish. Just on a small scale, I'm sure if a mother or father died for their child, They want the best life for their child. And that's why they was able to say, any one of us that's worth two cents would prefer to die for your child as opposed to your child dying for you. Any one of us that's worth two cents, right? That's just the way it is. But if we got to die for our children, I don't know. I I always say to myself, man, I hope I just don't die suddenly, even though I need to do that anyway. But I want to be able to tell my children, give them good instructions Tell them the right stuff. You know, I'm trying to live it and tell it to them while I'm here. But if I get a chance that to make sure before I get out of here, I can reiterate, I got to reiterate it again. Live for God. Walk in truth. Love God. Trust God. Don't worry about what people think about you. Stand up for holiness. Stand up for righteousness. Don't worry about it. I want them to hear that from me. If that's the last word I can speak, it's going to be those words. So I'm giving my life because I want my children to have a better life. Well, Jesus gave his life for every one of us. You think he wants you to go to hell? You think he wants you to perish? You think he wants you to just be miserable? You think he wants you to live beneath the privileges? You think he wants you to be all kind of out of sorts? No! He wants you to be happy, and he told you how to be happy. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to spend eternity with him. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. He didn't go through all of that. I can't imagine every time somebody die in their sins, what he must do in heaven on his throne. He says for every sinner, every person that is is living in sin, for every one of them that repent and give their life to him, the angels rejoice. That's telling me something. He didn't say what happened when people die and go to hell. He only talked about when people repent and give their life. He said the angels rejoice rejoicing take place in heaven when people give their life to God when people say Lord here I am I'm living for you when people repent and say God no longer I'm going to live a sinful life but I'm going to trust you it says rejoicing goes on in heaven and because my God is just such a good God I'm sure he's grieved he just never mentioned that in the Bible I'm sure every time somebody leave this earth in their sin I'm sure he's grieved because he can remember coming out of heaven Manifesting as a baby in the womb and being born, still being God Almighty and going through everything. Had a stepdad and had a mom and 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 went through just being a child and all the stuff that he went through. People talking about him. You just a little church boy and all the stuff that he went through and, and 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 when he grew up and realized it's time for him to give his life. He got to the place where he was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. But Father, not my will, Thy will. And when he got persecuted, he had to know that. That when he got on that cross, he was going to be naked, spit upon, crown a thorn in his head. He knew that it was going to pierce him in the side with the sword. He knew all of that, and he went ahead anyway. You think he went ahead to do that for anybody? Lose their life in their sin? If we die in our sins, it's because we want to, not because God had anything to do with it. He want to save all of us. He want to deliver all of us. It's not because. He wanted us to do that. We wanted that. Because just like happiness, we're trying to achieve it our way, not his way. And he says, you got to mourn. You got to be meek. You got to be a peacemaker. You got to be pure in heart. And he goes on to tell you how you need to be happy. But we still trying to be happy just trying to do stuff. We must contend for this faith. And so, what has happened? hear me? Here's what has happened. We allowed the branding of America to get us to a place of being politically correct so we don't want to offend nobody. Because that's what politically correct really is. Try not to offend anybody. And so, because we don't want to offend anybody, what happens is we stop speaking up. Because we don't want to offend anybody, we start living a certain kind of way that seems compatible to what everybody else is doing. That's politically correct, but I hear from the Holy Ghost, uh, and God is telling us uh, enough of that. Uh, He didn't want us to do it from the beginning. We chose to do it, and he allowed it for a little bit, but God says now uh, if you don't contend for this faith, uh, you will lose out. Uh, If you don't contend for this faith, uh, you won't make it. Uh, You can't just be politically correct. Uh, You can't just fit in. Uh, You can't just do whatever is necessary. You got to contend, baby. Here is a little um, clue to know why you got to contend. I always say this. The beginning of a race and the end of a race is where you exert most of your energy. When the church started, go read in the book of Acts. It was on fire. It was all kind of stuff happening. It was all kind of miracles people was on fire. They was contending for the faith. You go to the book of Acts and read, they was contending for the faith. I believe we're in the end times. The race was started in the book of Acts. The race is about the end. The beginning and the end. There must be some intense contending for the faith. Because what happened is, when you got to bring something on the scene, you got to fight to get it on the scene. You got to contend to get it established. And now we're at a place where our world is trying to squelch everything so we can all be politically correct. And the Bible is trying to tell us we better contend. We have to love people. And I'll tell you what we mean by contend, because I don't want you to... Go out there and giving people a hard time. What do we mean by contend? We are to contend for the faith in argument. Now, when I read that, I said, hold on now. That ain't good. But then I stop and I, re- I think about the court system. I said, okay, all right, I'm good now. So let me help you all out like when I say contend for the faith by arguing. When you go to court, you don't really see people talking over each other they get turns to talk. Your honor, may I speak? Go ahead. Let me speak. So, when we say argue, contending for the faith, it means if someone is going to tell me about their belief, I let them go ahead and tell me. And I listen very carefully. And I don't listen so I can just say shut up so I can talk. One of the things we got to clean up as Christians is we want, we don't listen to people. We just want to tell them what we feel. Let me tell you, something key about that when you listen to people they tell you what you need to tell them anyway so if you don't listen then all you're going to do is argue and before you know it, your voice is raised and you're going to start going back and forth and talking over each other but if you listen keenly there's been so many times i met people and i just started talking to them i didn't mention anything about anything i just want to hear what they have to say and even when i had a chance to talk i said so what if i asked another question i didn't even put my stuff in there yet And after I let them talk enough so they talk themselves out, I hear everything. Now I know how to come at them. That's how I come at people. When when I'm witnessing to people, I listen. I keep listening. I keep listening. And sooner or later, I'm going to hear. It's like you make check marks in your mind. Okay. All right. All right. And I listen. Then I begin to talk. So when we contend for the faith, we have to argue. Orderly. proper. Not malicious, but you must contend by defending this thing here. Okay, give you an example. I talked about this before. In my era that I was growing up in, homosexual and lesbians was not as popular as it is now, but it was out there. And many of you, like me, what did we say? As long as they don't mess with me, I'm good. Right, ladies? Right, brothers? As long as you don't mess with me. You do whatever you want. Now their agenda is at the top. And they're doing whatever they want. Because we never did anything about it. So here's how things work. If you don't do something about it, sooner or later, it's going to affect you. Yeah, you just think, I'm just minding my business. Yeah, I hear you. Keep minding your business. Because sooner or later, when it builds up power and steam, You can't stop it. And so now we're telling people that um, all the stuff we tell them about being lesbian, being homosexual, we're condoning it. As opposed to if we were to stop back then and be parents and say, son, if you have these tendencies, it's not the way God made you. So we're going to have to figure out how to get you past these tendencies. Daughter, we're going to... I'm not mad at you because you feel this way i'm not mad at you because you've been exposed to stuff i'm not mad at you i'm not mad at you for that but i know it's not what god wants for your life that's all i know right that's all i know this is not what god wants for you so my job as a parent is to now teach you the word of god what god says can i make it change make you change maybe i can't but at least let me try but now we don't try we tell them it's okay If you feel this way, we said people are born this way. And I got to tell you, even if you're born this way, you ready for this. The Bible says you need to be born again. Isn't it amazing how God is always ahead of us? He knew that in 2016, people was going to say, well, I was born this way. And he's going to say, go back to John chapter 3 and read that Would i tell you how you enter into the kingdom of God. I said, you must be born again. There's a reason why he's telling us we must be born again. Because we're born into sin and shaped in iniquity. That's what David said. So all of us are born sinners. All of us have messed up. And it don't matter what the sin is. It don't matter if it's lying, stealing. It doesn't matter if it's being a lesbian or homosexual. It doesn't matter. God says, that don't matter to me. It's the sin that I died for. Hmm. There's a reason why we're talking about contending for the faith this morning. And that's part of what we got to contend. All of our homes have been hit with that behavior. My home, I have family members that, that is in that kind of situation. Some of you have family. So so let's not act like we're talking about nobody specific, and let's not act like, oh, you know, um, we don't want to touch that. We better touch that because that's a part of sin. It's no different from lying, no different, t- it's part of sin. We just gotta pray to God and try to work it out. So don't feel like nobody picking on nobody. It's sin. Nobody's gonna go to heaven being a lesbian, nobody's gonna go to heaven being a homosexual, you just won't. Just like I can't go to heaven being a liar. Just like I can't go to heaven being a whoremonger. Just like I can't go to heaven if I'm stealing. If I continue in that lifestyle, I can't go to heaven. And if we care about people's soul and we love people, we will go to God and pray and pour out our hearts and say, God, help them show me what I can do to help because we don't want anybody to be lost. That's what it's about. But until we start tapping in with God and realize how, how we can help. We can't have disdain for people because you was once a sinner. We haven't disdain like, ah, uh, you know what, what, I, what I always say? That as long as it wasn't our sin, we got issues with people. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop judging people on whether or not it's your kind of sin or not your kind of sin. Stop it. Because you're not a liar and they lied. You got real issues with them. Hmm. Contending for the faith is what we got to do. And when we contend for the faith, we're contending for our salvation and we're contending for the salvation of others. Let me move on. If we don't contend for the faith, we will find ourselves believing false teaching. That's how we end up, start believing one thing. I'm going to keep saying this till you get tired of me saying this. Sister Vanessa, the other day the Lord showed me something. I said, wow. We, especially us you know what I'm saying when I say us, especially us. We always worried about sin. You're doing wrong. You're doing this. You're doing that. And so sin was the thing that we always focus on. You know what the Lord told me to focus on the other day? He said, focus on are they living their life to bring glory to me? That's what God told me to focus on. Leave sin alone. You got to ask yourself, Wayne, And everybody need to ask themselves in here today, am I living my life to glorify God? Because that covers up everything after that. Because what he showed me was there are things people are doing that is not sinful, but it's not glorifying God. (laughs) There are things people are doing that are not sinful. And it's not glorifying God. So we don't need to sit back anymore and say, mm, see how they living now? Don't need, no need to do that because we've been too long dealing with the wrong and right, wrong and right. And all God is saying is, I don't care about that. I'm saving you so you can live a life that will glorify me so others can know about me, so others will want to come and be a part of the family. That's what I want you to do. When you walk around and you love people, when you walk around and you talk right to people, when you walk around and you don't judge people, when you walk around and you lift up people, when you walk around and you show the goodness of God, then I get glorified. That's what he's after for us. We we caught up on who's doing wrong, who's doing right. And he's saying, no, 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 no. You can live a nice, good life. Take care of your family. Don't do a whole lot of mess and good life. But that life never glorified God. He's got a problem with that. Because remember what I told you. If all God wanted to do was save us, when we got saved, when we got born again and we talked in tongues, got baptized and all that stuff, guess what? We would ascend to heaven like Jesus ascended. If that's all he wanted. But none of us ascended, so that must not be all he wants. Do you want to save? Yes, he wants to save, but that's not... All He wants from us. He wants us to get saved and live a life that glorify him. That's our purpose in this earth today. There is no other purpose in this earth. Our purpose is to get saved and live our life to glorify God. Trust me. Don't look at it as you won't get this and you won't get that and you can't be happy. No, he already told you how to be happy. So you can be happy living for God. You can be happy living a life that glorify Jesus Christ. You can be, you can obtain material things. You can have stuff. He's just saying, "Are you glorifying me in all of that?" When you get on Facebook, what you posting? You see, he can bless you, you get a nice iPad, the latest. You know, he can bless you, you get a MacBook or whatever y'all like. What's the other one that you can spin around? us here. What's the other one? Surface, Surface. Yeah, he can bless you get a Surface. He'll bless you get a MacBook, whatever you want. But what are you doing on it? You see what I'm saying? It's, it's about glorifying Him. He's not trying to make you miserable. He's not trying to keep stuff from. It's about glorifying Him. That's how we contend. All right, let me move on. I'm going to be finishing in a little bit. If we don't contend, we will find ourselves believing false doctrine. Because here's what happens when you don't contend: you get content. When you don't contend, you become contented. And when you are content, you want to listen to everything that makes you feel content. You want to listen to everything and get involved with everything that keeps you feeling good and keeps you feeling content. Hmm. That's how we start drifting and start believing other things. This is why you saw people start out believing this, and all of a sudden they believe something else. Why? They want to feel content. They want to feel comfortable. They want to pursue that happiness according to their own understanding and not according to the word of God. So they start saying, yeah, that's true. Why didn't you say that was true two years ago, five years ago? Why all of a sudden now it's true? Because you don't want to contend. You want to be contented. Right now, as I speak, let me say this. If we don't contend for the faith, if we don't contend for it, it will be snatched from us. I'll give you a backup on that. Right now, as I speak, many of us are in a struggle with different things or situations in our life. Which everything or situation that will garner your emotion the most is what will end up what you will end up doing. Here's the secret that God gave me this week, not a secret. It's something he's been working on my heart about. But you remember that happiness thing? Talk about emotional energy? Hm A lot of us are locked in to something that has controlled our emotion more than God. That thing or people that have caused your emotion to be at its highest, more than God, is what will cause you to lose out on God. Wherever your emotion is invested in the most, that investment of your emotion in that thing or that individual will either elevate you, set you back, or be your demise. Webster's, Merriam Webster says, emotion. A conscious mental reaction like anger or fear subjectively experienced as a strong feeling usually directed towards a specific object or person and typically accompanied by psychological and behavioral change. In your body so you can sweaty palms shaking whatever it is that you are mostly charged and involved with emotionally is going to determine if you contend or you don't let me give it to you I was praying when was I praying Thursday evening this is what I mean the whole week God just the whole week So I'm praying for Bible study, and here he goes, working with that emotional thing. In the Bible, Adam, Cain, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, David, and Peter, to name just a few, they had setbacks because of their emotional tie-in with a situation or an individual. Now, what's the difference between them and us that had them to make it? They understood their purpose and what they were supposed to do. So even with the setback, they got back on track. Now, us that may not understand what we're supposed to do and are not contending, when that setback comes, we might never make it back again. Adam was so emotionally connected to his wife that when she gave him the fruit that God already told him not to eat, he couldn't help himself because he was so emotionally charged and it overpowered everything, made him forget about what God said. That's what happened to Adam. Cain, Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. I know God said do it that way, but why can't I do it this way? How many of us suffering from that? I just can't do that. I tend, I'm a farmer. Abel, you're the sheep herder. Why would he want me to give an animal if I'm the one that's taking care of the fruit? Put it in your perspective now. Because a lot of us are saying, well, I can't understand why God want me to do that. That's not for you to understand. Did God say it? Just do it understand everything God says so Cain's situation was he didn't want to do what God said he wanted to do him we had YOLO going on you only live once a long time ago since the Garden of Eden since the Garden of Eden we were trying to do our own thing that's our issue he said look man you go ahead and give God that old animal stuff I'm giving him fruit we're still doing that today you that that's not necessary. Cain was probably the first one that said that. That ain't necessary. Why we gotta do that? I'm just gonna do this. Abraham. The Bible called Abraham the father of faith. Luke, Abraham was traveling and he went through Egypt, and he knew Pharaoh was the kind of guy that Pharaoh wanted all the beautiful women. Abraham's wife, Sarah, was beautiful. And as he was rolling up in Egypt, he says, man, they're going to take my wife and kill me. I better lie and tell Pharaoh she ain't my wife, she's my sister. The father of faith, why? His emotions. Emotions is what's controlling us and preventing us from contending We make justifications and excuses about a lot of things, which means we're not contending. When you start making excuses for why you don't contend, listen, it's easy to get married, it's tremendously hard to stay married, it's easy to repent of your sins to get baptized in Jesus' name. You don't even have to do nothing. God just fill you with the Holy Ghost because you just, oh, Lord, they just fill you. That's how it starts. But you better contend if you're going to make heaven your home. There's no way we're going to make heaven our home if we don't contend. Oh, help me, Jesus. I just, the God is just moving in my soul and my spirit about this. He said, boy, you better contend and tell the people to contend for this. It's not going to be easy, but is it worth it? Jesus. Abraham, twice his emotion got the best of him. Give me your son. He eventually got right. Moses. Moses had a lot of issues. When Moses realized that he was a Hebrew, but he was living with the Egyptians, he saw an Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting and he killed the Egyptian because his emotion was tied in with his people. He killed that Egyptian and flee because he knew Pharaoh was going to kill him. Emotions is the thing that we must contend against to make sure we contend for the faith and I can go on and on David's situation he just felt like man I've been warring, I've been fighting let me just take a break his emotions say you need to take a break David did God tell him to take a break no he wanted to take a break and that's when he got caught up in adultery that's when he ended up killing that woman's husband Jacob I don't want to miss Jacob Here's what Jacob did. Because a lot of us do Jacob. Here's what Jacob did. I'm trying my best to live for God. And he don't care nothing about God. Mom and dad raised us up to be Christians. And I'm living for God. I'm doing my best. And look at him. He whoring. He's sleeping around with other women that he not even have the faith and all this stuff. Man. Man about that. And he made that emotional stress of him thinking he living for God and Esau not living for God. That he stole the birthright. Stop worrying about people living for God or not. You just live for God. Should you pray for them? Should you mourn to God and say, God, save my friend. God, they don't see what. But but when you pray that prayer, you realize God wants people saved more than you. Don't ever forget that. God want people saved more than you want them because you didn't die for them. He did. So he want them saved more than you. So if you can get in your closet and pray for that individual, come out and be okay with that. Because if they can't get saved through God working in their life and you praying and all this stuff, there's nothing you can do about it. So don't stress yourself out. God want them saved more than you. So Jacob resented his brother because he think that, hey, I'm doing everything to live for God and he not. I've seen a lot of people get in trouble on that. Watching other people and saying, how can they get over like this? How can they live like this and people think that they're okay and I know they ain't right. That'll get you. Don't mess with that. That's what Jacob did. And he paid a price. Yes, he made it in, but he paid a lot of prices for that. He had to run away from home. He had to get tricked by, his, um, by Laban, his father-in-law. I mean, he went through a lot of stuff for judging his brother. He ain't right. Our emotion will override faith. This is the struggle I'm trying to tell you about. It's emotional. The thing that you're all connected in emotional, young people, your friends and, 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 and what you involve in in school and adults, you know, sometimes it could just be just trying to make a living for your family, all kind of things. Here is what I want to tell you about emotion. I realize now why God says serve the Lord or love the Lord with all your heart, <laughs> all your mind and all your soul. I got it. You know what he was saying? If you love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, then you're emotion for me is greater than the emotion you will have for anything else in this world and that's what we need to strive for the way how we contend and love Jesus Christ and serve Jesus Christ our emotion will be the greatest at that particular thing I got it now Love me with all your heart because what he knows is uh, our emotion is strong in us. Our emotion will make us do things that we should not do. Uh, But he says, uh, if I become your greatest part of your emotion, uh, if I become the greatest part uh, of how you love, uh, of how you do things, uh, then I will always override all of that. That's why he said all that stuff, love me with all your heart. Because he knew we was going to be challenged with emotional things. And the only way we was going to make it when we're challenged is, I don't know about you, it's clear in me, in my life. I've experienced it. Where no matter what I went through, no matter what I was challenged with, my love for Jesus Christ was the most emotional thing in my life. (laughs) Come on, somebody help me here today. Whatever you're going through, you need to do something today to make sure your greatest and deepest emotion is how you feel about Jesus. You need to do whatever you can to make sure your deepest emotion will resonate with God, with Him, with loving Him, with loving people. You need to make sure that your greatest emotion that you will ever experience is with God. I told you my wife ain't never seen me cry until I got saved. God made me cry. That's where I started crying and didn't worry about it. I was tough. I couldn't cry for nothing. I was a brick of ice. Just keep on moving. And God broke me down and made me cry. And I thank God for that today because you know what? He established that he was supposed to be the most emotional thing to me. He was supposed to be the closest thing to me. He was supposed to be the deepest thing to me. He was supposed to be the everything to me. And I want to tell somebody here this morning, uh, as you contend for the faith, uh, you got to make God everything to you. Uh, That the reason why you cry is because of God. Uh, The reason why you sing is because of God. Uh, The reason why you pray is because of God. Uh, the God. Uh, The reason why you live the way you live is because of God. The reason why you do what you do is because of God. And everything else that's emotional to me, it won't be more emotional than Jesus Christ himself. Everything else. I am emotional about my children. I am emotional about my marriage. I am emotional about a lot of things. But nothing is more emotional to me than my God and my relationship with him. That's what will overtake me. That's what will just move me in that relationship with God. That's how we challenge. That's how we contend for this faith. When the Bible talks about contend, it's talking about intense battle and struggle. It says contend for the faith. It means we must with intensity battle and struggle and I pray to God that somebody's hearing me today. That you, I don't need, listen, I pride myself. I'm just a young pastor. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. I pride myself. I don't want to come to people and tell you anything individually. I pray to God that the word of God that I will speak will be what minister to you. I don't want to speak in my own mind. I don't want to speak in my own flesh. I want to speak the word of God. That that will be what move you. Not me coming over to you and talk to you. I want the world to move you. That's what I'm asking God. God, I don't want to go talk to people. I don't want to tell them they need to do this. I don't want to tell them they need to do that. Because if i got to go tell you, you got to do this. To, I'm going to have to keep telling you what you need to do. Brother Henry, Angela, Sister Henry, few people that I've won to the Lord, teaching Bible studies to them. I always say this, the thing that I take a lot of pride in, and I don't mean worldly pride, but just pleasure maybe in, is everyone I've taught a Bible study that got saved, I never have to be every day telling them what to do. I I counted that I taught them well, that when they got it, They was able to live for God on their own. They knew God for themselves. When they come against challenges, they knew how to get in the Word. They knew how to get on their knees. They didn't have to call me up and talk about, Brother, uh, what about this? They didn't need me all the time. They didn't need me because if I did my job right in teaching them who is the Savior, who is the Deliverer, who is their God, if I did it right, they will always turn to Him and make Him everything to them. But if I didn't do it right, every time they get a challenge, they got to call me. Up! Mm. Help me, Jesus. We gotta contend for this faith. We gotta contend for the faith. God is telling us that trying to be uh, content. It's not going to work anymore because if you stay content, it will be snatched from you. You will believe in false doctrine. Adam was content when Satan came over and told Eve, eat up the fruit. Instead of Adam going and says, and what you listening to? Boy, get out of here, devil. Leave my wife alone. If he would have been proactively, then maybe we wouldn't have to deal with that sin in the garden. But he was content because he had him a beautiful woman. He loved her and she loved him. They were content. They weren't contending for what God Had told them to do. I'm closing. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. When the Bible says be strong in the Lord, it's saying be courageous. Don't you back down, don't you worry. When you stand up for God, God will uphold you. A lot of times we're, we're afraid to say and do what God says because we're worried about people coming against us. We're worried about the persecution. We're worried about how people are going to, but God don't want you to worry about that. God just wants you to be courageous and stand for him. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word rendered whole armor means a complete armor of defensive and one offensive weapon. Every day, we have to put on the armor of God if we're going to contend. Don't you leave your house anymore. Remember, we like to pray, pray this night. Nice Let's pray, God, I thank you for waking me up. Thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you lead me and guide me. I pray, God, that you bless my family and keep us. In Jesus' name, amen, And we go out the door. Well, you want to add this. Lord, I put on the armor of God today. Because because if I don't have my armor on, I can't contend. If I don't put on my armor, I can't contend. You only can contend. With, listen, a soldier in war with no armor and no weapon will not last a second. Mm. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Understand that people are used by demonic forces. And so when you're dealing with people thinking and getting mad at people, that's why God sometimes probably got frustrated with us because we attack each other when forces of evil in the spiritual realm is working behind the scenes. And the only way we will know it is if we have on the armor, is if we put on the armor, is when we will know how to contend with that. But when we don't have on the armor, we battle with each other. Wherefore, take unto the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shall with the preparation of the gospel of peace and taking on and, and above all taking on the shield of faith wherewithin wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take on the helmet of salvation. "...and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints." Here it is. Your head is covered. Your chest is covered. Your waist is covered. Your belt is keeping up your armor because that's truth. Your breastplate of righteousness. The helmet keeps you because you know the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you put on the shoes, uh, which is your boots where you can walk and not be injured in your feet. Uh, and now God says, uh, take up the sword, which is the only offensive weapon, which is the word of God. So whenever you don't know what to do, just go to the word of God. And then he says above all, all of that, put on all of that. Now you grab your shield. That is from here to and you just put it off and when everybody shoot at you boom stop that dart boom stop that dart boom boom stop that dart because every dart that come after me I'm stopping it because I have on the armor the wound that I suffered the greatest was when I didn't have my armor on I suffered a wound so bad one time, and when I cried to God, He said, Son, you didn't have on the shield of faith. And when the darts were coming, you got pierced, and you got hurt, and you got messed up, because you did not arm yourself with the shield. You notice God didn't tell me that person did you wrong and that person did you wrong and that God didn't tell me about nobody. He didn't tell me nobody did me wrong. He just said, Son, you didn't have the shield of faith. And when the darts came, it pierced your heart. It pierced you because you didn't have on the weapon. He didn't tell me to go talk about nobody. He didn't tell me to criticize nobody. He didn't tell me to go after nobody. He says, You got hurt because you didn't have on your armor. So when you get messed up, don't be looking at nobody to blame nobody. God showed me that myself. I don't blame nobody for nothing. I gotta live right. I gotta get armed every day. You gotta put on your clothes to go outside, you better put on your armor. You better put on your armor. Because that's how you're gonna make it. Stand with me. Second Timothy, last scripture. As you're standing, this is the great Apostle Paul writing this. The great Apostle Paul, greater than me and you. Now, he's no different from us because God no respect him, but for what he's accomplished, I don't think me or you will accomplish what he did. But here's what he said in 2 Timothy 4. I have fought a good fight. <laughs> if the Apostle Paul got a fight, and to me, I, don't even, I can't even carry his jockstrap. How spiritual he was. And he says, I have fought. Fought is the key word here." So you tell telling me, Paul, you was fighting the whole time you was living for God? Yeah, he was. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. The Christian life is often represented as conflict or warfare. I know we want to feel like it's all bliss and everything's all good and a lot of this stuff is just great but you've got to get yourself in a place of understanding what you're doing and how you're living we must fight we must contend i have finished my course the christian life is often represented as a race i have kept the faith i have steadfastly maintained the faith of the gospel or have lived a life of fidelity to the master. There is no such thing as one save always save. If we gotta contend, then that alleviate that conversation because. If I got to contend, if I got to fight, if I got to battle and I got to claw and I got to work my way through to live till the end like Paul did, then the bottom line is I can't give my life to God and think, okay, I'm good now. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm going to have to contend each and every day until my time come where either Jesus descend from heaven and we are caught up to meet him or I die and go into his presence. That's the only time we're not fighting and we're not contending. contending. Paul finished it up by saying, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only, but unto all, talking about us now, unto all them also that love his appearing. So if we love the appearing of Jesus Christ, we won't have to worry. We will make it, but we have to contend to make it. If you're not in the race, you got to get in the race. How do you get in the race? By giving your life to God. Understanding Jesus Christ is God in flesh. And then after that, you need to repent of your sins. Get baptized in Jesus' name, and he will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that gets you in the race. But it's like marriage. You just got married. Now you got to live the marriage. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be arguing. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be downright drag out, knock down, don't get along, all kind of stuff. But it's just part of it. We got to contend. And the only way to make it in the end is if we contend and we fight. And when we fight and we make it, then we'll be able to say like the Apostle Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have fought... A good fight. This is why we are in the end time, and God is pressing us to know we must contend. You hear me talk about some things, and remember, I told you I refuse. Correct me if I'm wrong, Lord. I refuse to tell people you need to come to church. You need to come to church. You need to come to church. You see how I preach? I let me preach the word and not tell you you need to come to church. I ain't got time for that. If the word, this is this is this this is what I will always tell people. Can I tell you this real quick? I am not gonna be stupid enough to be feeling good about myself because you listened to me, but you didn't listen to Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry, I think I think there's some 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 preachers that that do that. I, I, I'm guarding against that. I am not coming to you. And try to tell you something for you to do when I already preached the word of God for you to hear. And you said, well, let me talk to him. That, I don't work like that. I don't want to talk to nobody that don't listen to the word of God. Because that's God's word. Who am I? Who am I for you to listen to over God? So I'm not impressed with you saying, oh, Pastor, that's pretty good. I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to watch you to see if you listen to Jesus. Cause if you impress with what I'm saying, but you ain't listening to Jesus, I'm turn my back on you. I gotta be honest with you. That don't impress me. That scares me. That scares me. If you're gonna listen to people and not listen to God, so I don't have time to tell people. You better come to church. You better come. No, 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 no. I'm gonna tell you contend for the faith. You figure out how to start contending for the faith. You see how it work? I hope that God helped me to be better and better and better. But that's what I'm in. That's what I'm about contend for the faith you figure out how to contend for the faith the bible will tell us we need to pray we need to fast we need to read our bible we need to go to church we need to assemble with the brethren as we see the day approaching that's what the bible says we need to put on the armor of god and contend for this faith that's what it's about if you want to make heaven later for the people that make you feel like all i got to do is give my life to god and just live a good clean life and i'll get to heaven Not in this day and age. I believe that time is come and gone. (laughs) Let me throw this in real quick. (laughs) We are smarter now. And we know more now. But you know what that also means? We have greater responsibility. Listen to me. 30, 40, 50 years ago. I don't believe, and they might argue with us if they can come from the dead and tell us. I don't believe it was as challenging to live for God 50 years ago, 60 years ago. They just obeyed and do it and live a good, clean life. They wasn't as knowledgeable as us. They didn't have to contend like we had to contend. But we're smarter. We've been equipped. All of God's people, he equipped them for the time that they were born. You explain to me how people, children come out the womb today and just work working all that stuff. You explain that. If you can explain that, then you let me know how they come out the womb and they can work your iPhone better than you. Explain that. You can't explain it. God made them that way because they were born into that age. God made them that way. So the people 50 years ago, they lived for God the best way they could. When they got saved, they prayed. They just did their thing. You know, they just live a good, clean life and they got to heaven. We know a whole lot of stuff. We're going to have to contend more than they contended. I'm not telling you they didn't contend. I'm just telling you we have to contend more if we're going to make it. So God is calling us out today, everybody, to tell us it's time to contend for the faith. It's not going to be easy. But God has told you you can do all things through Christ. So it's not on your strength that you're going to do it. It's you trusting him. And you obeying him, but please understand, every advantage possible you can get, take it. Every advantage possible you can get, take it. Because your adversary is as a roaring lion seeking that he will devour you. He is roaming, how can I get you? How can I get you? How can I get you? He's trying to destroy you. He knows what God has done for you. He knows how much God loves you. And he's roaring, I'm going to get you. Get every advantage you can. Why don't you take just five minutes and begin to connect with God in prayer. We're going to dismiss you in five minutes. But why don't you take this time right now. If you need to come to the altar, if you need to step out the aisle, if you need to just stay right where you are, whatever you want to do. To begin to talk to God so you can contend for this thing.